cloud. All right, welcome to another episode of Survival Mode. My name is Todd Angelucci. I am a nurse, a brain tumor survivor, health coach, and I have just been amazed by the story. I have I have Chuck and Hannah Keels. They are both stage four cancer survivors. And I have to say, Chuck reached out to me in this group and he wanted to hear my story, but he then shared his story and my jaw dropped. I was like, oh my God, you know, and I had to have him on and his lovely wife who are doing this amazing journey, not just in their own, you know, their own health journey through, you know, cancer and surviving trauma and ongoing and living this awesome life. Um, but helping others because people are really reaching out. So welcome, Chuck and Hannah. How are you? Hey, Thank you. Todd, thanks for having us on. And we, and if you're on video, watch this on video, there's a little dog. I think there's a dog peeking over the other side. Super cute dog Jax. for sure. What's your dog's name? Jax. 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 Yes. Beautiful, beautiful <laughs> dog. I'm a dog person. So anyway, I, you know, I love, so Chuck, why don't you kind of start with your story and then segue into how, you know, Hannah could share her story and kind of what you guys are doing together. How's that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, I love telling the story because it still gives me chills. <laughs> it's that it's that crazy. But I was actually diagnosed with uh, stage four cancer um, uh, six years ago. I started feeling tired. I started getting sick. And um, I kept putting it off. I call that the male mentality. I'll, I'll be okay tomorrow. And uh, I wasn't okay the next day. I was worse. And so after a couple months of watching this progress and trying aspirin and everything else, I ended up at, in an emergency room. Uh, and basically uh, the tests, the x-rays, the scans that were done, um, the first thing that came back fast was an x-ray. And the ER uh, doc sticks her head in my room and says, um, we've got an x-ray back and you've got two fractured vertebrae in your back. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, I mean, I haven't fallen. I don't know how it happened and who walks around with a broken back. Right. So what were you doing? You said you weren't feeling good. So what kind of job were you doing and what were kind of the symptoms that you were feeling like that kind of you're like, uh, you know, right. So I, I, I owned a landscaping business. Um, it started out, uh, I live here in Phoenix. We we're in, Scottsdale right now. I was in uh, all over Phoenix, Arizona. Um, and I started out just mowing and blowing and, and building a landscaping business that turned into install and design and irrigation and everything. So at the time I was running around the whole valley um, and I basically um, designed and installed landscaping and swimming pools in, in Phoenix, Arizona. Okay. And so what were you feeling that like, you know, cause I'm, I have that guy mentality too. Like I gotta be like dragging on the ground to do something about it. So. Or dragging on the ground to go to a doctor. Right. <laughs> yeah. Every, everybody I talked to is like, I haven't, you know, gotten a checkup in so many years. I'm like, go get a checkup as much as you hate to go and you hate to set it up and you hate to, you know, it's coming up. It's better than finding out something later. Um, you know, early, early, um, you know, recognition of what's going on. So, and, and what I felt was um, it started out just kind of fatigue. Then it started out getting kind of achy and, and I, that's not me. I, I'm a, I'm a, 
you know, athlete, gym rat, you know, I, I have two, two strapping dudes, young men in my life, uh, two boys. And um, they were out trying to outdo dad in the gym and stuff, you know, so I wasn't going to let that happen. And so, you know, I was going at it and enjoying life. And um, I hiked and I traveled and I, you know, anything outside I love doing. Um, so um, I, that's why I kept pushing through it going, oh, it, it, I don't know what it is, but it'll, it'll be gone. I'll be better. And it didn't get better. And so, you know, when the, it was fatigue, then it was aches and pains in my, in my spine and in my back. And it got to the point where the last two days I could barely carry my briefcase into the office. And that's when I knew I had to, had to head to the ER and get some information as far as what's going on here. Mm -hmm. And like I said, they said that there was a, there was two fractures in my back, but they couldn't say anything else because the rest of the scans weren't back yet. Those came in at five o'clock in the morning and the doc came in, shut the door, scooted her chair up next to me. And she looked at me in the face and she said, I've got bad news. Um, everything that you're seeing is cancer related. You know, that's the first time I heard the word cancer. Um, I just turned 50 years old. I just couldn't believe it. Your head starts spinning. And, and I asked her, I said, you know, what kind of cancer? How bad? And she said, well, we don't know any of those answers yet because we're bringing in specialists tomorrow that are going to do a little more deep testing and, and, and find out exactly what's going on. And so the next day, um, a specialist comes in from a cancer uh, clinic that was right across the street from the hospital and did the biopsies into my bone marrow and lymph nodes. And then I was actually released from the hospital and went home. And I had to tell my two boys, one was in junior high, one was in high school, um, that, um, you know, it's cancer. You know, we didn't know any answers yet. And everybody I sent the paperwork out to, friends of mine that are in the medical industry, cancer nurses, doctors, they said it's just not enough info to know what's going on yet. And you know how it is when you start, you know, prying and trying to, you know, figure out what's going on here. And so three days went by and they called me up and I went back to the hospital and I was in a room and the doc comes in and he looks at me and he's just shaking his head. He's like, I, I can't even believe you just walked in here. And I go, you know, what is that? He says, um, your scans um, are showing that the cancer's in your bones. It's in your bones and it's in 90% of the bones in your body. So wherever it started, we don't even know. We don't know the origination because it's so you're so saturated and it's in 90 percent of the bones in your body. He says, Chuck, um, you know, you're at you're at stage four. Um, it's just running all over inside of your body. And he says, at this point, there's nothing the medical industry can do about it. Wow. And so he says, you know, I want you just to go home and be with your family and be at peace. So, you know, I have to uh, go through the nightmare of sitting my boys down on the couch when they came in from school and talking to them about, you know, Hey, guess what? Dad's really, really sick. And this is what they said. And it was not nothing short of a nightmare, something you'd never, nobody plans for, you know, nobody thinks this would ever happen to them. And uh, so I started thinking, okay, the doc said it's stage four. And he also said, you might have three months to live. Wow. So, so I'm thinking, what do you do with three months to live? And my really concern was I need to get my boys uh, from Arizona back to Ohio where my family's at. And that way they have somebody to take care of them because I'm, I'm melting fast. I'm even starting to lose weight. The hair was starting to fall out. I mean, I, 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 I looked like a sick cancer guy. 
And so um, that week we planned the trip back to Ohio to get them there. Um, I bought a plane ticket for the following Sunday. So I had six days to prepare for this. Um, and um, I asked myself, you know, what do you do when, you know, when you're melting away? And I gave away everything I owned because <laughs> you don't move your stuff, you know, across the country when you're, when you're, when you're melting away. And when friends called and wanted to come by and say goodbye, I told them, bring a truck, bring a U-Haul and take anything you want. And, you know, wasn't thinking about it then, but I think about it now. How important is all that material stuff that you work your, your butt off your entire life and miss your kids' sports programs and miss things in life because the job was so important and that bank account was so important. And then all of a sudden you're told you've got three months to live. How important is all that stuff sitting around your house? Doesn't matter, huh? Doesn't matter at all. Absolutely zero. And I told all my friends, take what you want. And I watched my leather furniture. I, I watched my big flat screen TVs. I watched everything drive away that week and didn't even care. All I wanted, I was happy that somebody was was taking it that was going to use it. And um, so on Saturday, I look at my boys and we kind of laugh and I go, where are we going to sleep tonight? We gave away our beds. <laughs> so we actually got a room at the resort right down in the central of Phoenix because it was close to the airport and we're jumping on a plane the next day to head back to Ohio. And by this time I am in excruciating pain and I'm, I'm on pain meds. Now I've been in the, into the medical world now. So they're, you know, I'm, I'm on, I'm on liquid morphine. You so were on hospice. Were you on hospice? Or yeah. Did they refer you yeah. To no, that that night that the doctor told me it was stage four, I had a knock on the door and two hospice nurses show up. So I was put in hospice. Wow. Yeah. What, what goes through your head at this point? Like, you, you know, like it just happened so fast. And, you you know, you weren't feeling good. You you didn't fall. Your back hurts. And you're like, somebody's telling you you're full of cancer in the bone. And like, what are you thinking? Well, the first, I mean, the first thing your head starts spinning, like I said, nobody plans for this. You know, you might plan for your kids graduation from high school or, or, or your kids getting married or something like that. Those are the things you plan for in life. You don't plan for a diagnosis of, of, of any disease, let alone stage four cancer in three months to live. So my head was spinning. A lot of emotional stuff goes on. Um, you know, and just like everybody else, I've got two boys to raise, you know, why me? I'm not ready for this. Um, so all that stuff was going through my mind also. Um, and, uh, so, you know, we, we stayed at the, stayed at the Hilton Tapatio cliffs. Uh, uh, the next day we're going to, we're going to jump a plane and head back to Ohio. And, um, then next morning I get up and I walk down the hall, hall towards the bathroom and I hear a pop and I hit the floor oh. and Pain was shooting through my back, my neck, and my head. And I'm not kidding you. I'm a tough old farm boy from Ohio. And it felt like somebody was stabbing me with a knife if I even budged. And even if you try to get a good deep breath and how your, your diaphragm's affected, I couldn't even breathe. I couldn't move because the pain was that excruciating. So 911 was called. I had eight firefighters in the room getting me off the floor. Every time they budged me, it was... I couldn't believe the pain. And what happened was they got me to the closest hospital, which was a different hospital from where I was, where I was first uh, diagnosed. And um, the hospital's right in central Phoenix. It's called John C. Lincoln Hospital. 
And at John C. Lincoln Hospital, they said, we run our own tests and scans, like the emergency room people. And so they start running me through the tests and scans again. And um, two days later, um, the, a cancer doctor, two spinal surgeons who kept coming in my room and feeling my legs because they said the pop that I heard when I hit the floor was called a compression fracture, which is a broken back. <laughs> my, my back was so metastasized from all the cancer in there working on it that it just got to the point where it just said, I can't hold you up. And it broke my back, my lower spine broke. So um, they were, they were feeling my legs to see if I was paralyzed and they'd come in feeling my knees, my feet and stuff. And they, can you feel this? Like, yeah. And, and so um, two days went by. So the two spinal surgeons, the house doctor and the cancer doctor that they put on my files came in the room and was looking at me and said, Hey, okay. It was prostate cancer, <laughs> whoever imagined, right. But it goes to where it's fed and cancers, you know, goes to where it's fed and it got into my bone marrow and my lymph nodes and it carried it all over my body. Uh, there was metastasis in my upper spine, a little bit in the back of my brain. My pelvis was really affected. A lot of, a lot of the metastasized bone there. Um, and uh, they say, um, so here we, they looked at me and they said, it's prostate cancer, blah, blah, blah. We got a plan. <laughs> and I go, what, you know, what's your plan? Because I was already put in a hospice and told I had three months to live. And they said, well, we believe if we could kill the can or start, stop the feeding of the cancer and then start killing the cancer with chemotherapy, that's your best chance. So I said, okay, what's the plan? They said, two surgeries tomorrow, start chemo the next day. Let's go. Fight's a fight, right? Let's go. Get the fight so on. they wheel me in the next day to the surgery room and uh, they prep me and everything and roll me in. And I remember every bit of it all the way up to where they're shaving my chest where they're getting ready to put my port in and that device if you guys don't know what that is that carries the chemo into your system and um i remember all the way up to that point and then i'm i'm, I'm knocked out and i wake up two and a half hours later and i'm in the recovery room of that hospital and um after i'm awake the nurses brought me water and said my family was upstairs waiting for me and then the two doctors that did the surgeries came in and explained the surgeries went perfectly and what my follow-up would look like when I left the hospital. So I'm laying there just waiting to go upstairs and see my kids. And uh, all of a sudden the room turns weird, cold for no reason at all, weird, cold. And so I kind of scrunch up and I'm thinking somebody left the double doors at the end of the room open. And when I look to my right, um, the double doors were shut. <laughs> They were shut. And I'm thinking, where is this cold air coming from? And then I come back and I pan back in and I look to my left. I'm looking at a brown robe, white scarf, beard and face. I'm looking at Jesus and he's looking at me. And at first, he I, it was just a couple of seconds, three to four seconds. Um, he reaches out his hand. His right foot does a half a step towards me and he touches me on the shoulder and he's gone. And I'm freaking out. I'm like, what? What? You know, it, it wasn't like, it was kind of like, what was that? Was it a doctor? Was it a nurse? Was it a janitor? But in my head, I knew I was in the presence of Jesus. I knew it. I just knew it. Um, they taught me enough as a kid, you know, that I understood what had just happened. But I felt this feeling. And I'd never seen his mouth move in this three or four seconds. But I heard in my head, I got you. Wow. I got you. And so um, they wheel me upstairs and I tell my boys and stuff and they're freaking out. 
But what really blew my mind was that day, two really cool things happened. The first thing that happened was the nurses came in to give me all my meds. Here's your steroids. Here's your bone strengtheners. Now here's your pain meds. And, on, and your pain meds are as needed. So on a scale from one to 10, 10 being the worst, how bad's your pain right now? And I sit up in the bed and I'm looking at them and I'm like, I don't feel any pain. And they're like, you know, Chuck, you just had, you know, broken back surgery. You were on liquid morphine this morning. You know, here's the nurse button. Hit it. As soon as you feel something, we don't want it to get too crazy. And so from May 26th of 2015 uh, to, you know, chatting with you right now, Todd, I never touched another pain med. I didn't need them. Oh, my God. I, and I, when I first heard this story, I was like, you know, we were FaceTime, my like jaw dropped. But the thing that I, is like even more remarkable about it, like before all of this, you know, you mentioned that you were kind of raised Catholic and I, I, I kind of say that too. Were you like this big every ch- church, every weekend, carrying the Bible around with you? T- you know, what were you before? You know what I mean? Because there's p- people probably, you know. I, I, I learned all of the check the box things that, that had nothing to do with a personal relationship with Jesus. And it's not just the Catholic church, but there's a lot of them out there that teach people, you've got to do all these things. And you're, you're, you know, you're a great Christian kid. Um, I, I went to a Catholic school for 11 years. I went to church with my classmates on Wednesday and my family on Sunday. And you know how that is. I, I, I'm like, I, I'm getting nothing out of this. My, my favorite priest was the priest that could get you out the door in 40 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> if, if he can get me out of here, that's that dude right there is the that's the service you want to go to. That's the mass you want to go to. And what, what does that have to do with what is the meaning of church in the first place? To sit there and learn, to be taught from the Bible, the the Bible to me now is the, is the, you know, is the manual to our life. Okay. Now yeah. I got to tell you one more thing. And I know, I don't want, I don't want this to go for three hours. So when I do cut things short, um, it's because um, we have a book out. It's all in the book. So you guys can read that. Okay. So, so what I do want to we'll tell you that the show notes, your book for sure. Okay. Okay. We actually, I, I wrote one, then she wrote one. And yeah. then, um, and then we wrote one together that just came out three months ago about all of this right now. It's, it's insane. I mean, we're, we're writing it and I'm reading it. I'm like, this is our life. Are you kidding me? But one more, one more um, unbelievable thing happened that night that I had the vision that day, the pain stopped that day. And that night, this old farm boy that goes to bed at eight 30 every night. Okay. I'm, I'm laying in bed in the hospital. I didn't wash my face. I didn't turn the lights off and I'm laying in bed feeling sorry for myself. Why me? I've got kids to raise. Why, why me? What is going on here? You know, what is, what was the meaning of everything that happened today? And I'm laying there and I watched the clock on the wall go from eight, nine, 10, and even 11 and almost 12 o'clock. And the lights are still on. And, 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 and I'm laying there almost midnight in the hospital. And I look at the ceiling and I go, God, this is just between me and you now. Is this a short journey or a long journey? What, what gives? And I'm not kidding you, Todd. Just like talking to you right now, I hear a voice. And, and, and God says to me, you've been a fighter your entire life. 
what are you doing? And I'm laying there like, I'm going, am I going crazy? You know, did I just hear that? And then I hear, as long as you're alive, be fully alive. Wow. And I was like, oh my gosh, I needed I that. that. I swing my feet over the edge of the bed. I grabbed the IV pole and I went towards the bathroom to wash my face. And I didn't go in the bathroom. I went onto the hospital floor and I walked two laps around the hospital floor. And believe me, I had to push myself. I'm down 40 pounds at this time. I'm dying of cancer. And, you know, I don't know really how much longer I would have had if I didn't have this experience. But I walked around the hospital floor twice. I get back to the room. I wash my face. I turn off the lights. I get in bed and I look at the ceiling. And I go, God, thank you. I needed that. I needed that. I said, if you can do this, if you can do this, no pain. You got my attention. And I know you've been probably trying to get it my entire life, but you got it now. And I'll surrender my life to you completely. So not only was May 26, 2015, uh, amazing, beautiful, miraculous experience for me. It also became the first day at 50 years old in my life that I have a personal relationship with Jesus. That's, that's an amazing story. A life-changing story, Todd. It is, it, when I, I had chills when I, was, when I heard it, I was like, oh my God, you got to share this. And then, so then you, you, you find love, right? Right. Yeah. So that's why I say there's a, there's a lot of things I would like to add in there, but I can't, you know, just time constraints um, about what happened to me, um, you know, going through. But I did push myself. Um, I started walking every day. I started swimming in the pool. I started going to the gym and I had to put the pin under the top plate because I was so weak. All the melt, muscle melted off of me. So I pushed myself. And the phone, the phone started ringing from people seeing my story on social media. And uh, so what happened was uh, they were calling me and they're like, hey, Chuck, my wife was diagnosed with cancer. And I go, why are you calling me? And they're like, you survived stage four cancer. What did you do? And I'm sitting there thinking, wow, this is amazing. And I started thinking about what did I do? So I told them the same story that I just told you, Todd. And then I would say, I need to give them some giveaways. I don't want to just tell them the story and, hey, nice to meet you and hang up. I want to give them some giveaways. Okay, this is what you're going to do. What did I do? I, I prayed a lot. I had a lot of little chats with God. I believe in love because my neighbors started showing up with meals when I was going through chemo. And, and, and the meals were amazing to me. I couldn't believe the way I felt when I opened the door. And I was like, you cooked us dinner? Oh, Chuck, I know you, what you're going through. You know, this is for you and your kids. I believe that love is very healing. So I told people prayer, love, juicing, nutrition in the body, um, essential oils, um, detox. It gets the detox. It gets cleans up the body. And, and the fifth one was move the body. Move the body. Don't stay on the couch. Don't stay in the bed. And, you know, no matter what the diagnosis is, there's some way we can get you to move your body. And with me, you know, being a, you know, a couple fries short of a Happy Meal, I basically, <laughs> I was at the park and in the pool swimming and going to the gym. But, you know, I tell people, even if you just walk around your house or walk your dog or get on your living room floor and turn on your smart TV and do like a stretching class, something to get started, but move the body. The human body needs to move to heal. 
So that was the, that was when I started giving people and telling people and even had a little card made up that said cancer coach on it. And I told him, I said, I didn't go to school for this. It's just, it's my life. It's my life. So in that, in that journey of helping people, I'm introduced to a beautiful young lady who actually happens to be not only behind me, but in bed. <laughs> so this is Hannah and I'm going to let her explain to you uh, she was introduced because of stage four breast cancer uh, by my cousin. And um, we, we, I started, we started hanging out, having coffee, fell in love, got married. Hey, tell the story. You're, you're just dumping the gun there. <laughs> I'm rolling now. I'm all yeah. excited. Todd's got me all fired up. <laughs> you're all fired up. So Hannah, so I know you're in bed. Thank you for coming on. I know it, it could be a, it, it could be a challenge. You're you're going through your battle. So share a little bit about your story. Yeah. So um, I was trying to figure out where to start. Um, well, since your podcast has a lot to do with trauma, um, I'm going to start with my story, which starts a year after his in 2016. I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, in that same year, I also found out my husband had been unfaithful after 21 years of marriage. And not, just, not Chuck. No, my husband at that time um, had been unfaithful for 20 over 21 years that we were married and um, just walked out on our marriage. And so talk about trauma. It was really hard for me. I cried for three months straight. And then I found a lump in my breast. And a few months later, through the whole process, was diagnosed with um, stage three breast cancer and found out um, in August, in September, I was um, divorced officially and October had a double mastectomy. And then November I had a scan and found out I actually had uh, nodes in my lungs. So I was already stage four. And as a nurse, I'm an OR nurse. So, um, I realize now like nobody scanned me. So I didn't even know beforehand what all that meant, but it took a whole year later before I found out that it actually was stage four because I didn't understand it and um, ended up having to lose my job as an OR nurse, which I absolutely loved. It was really hard for me to walk away from that, um, but I knew I couldn't do that and beyond the medication I had to be on. Um, I was on an oral chemo and it made me really tired and lowered my immune system. So it wasn't smart to be in the medical field at that point. And then a year after that, which brings us to end of 2018, um, my very best friend committed suicide. So if you Google the five stressors of life, the top five happened to me in two and a half years. It was super hard. And through that journey, I ended up writing a book. And as writing a book is so cathartic, it tells your story. I wanted to write the story for myself and for my children. I have four sons. Um, they were all teenage boys at that point. I got sole custody of them. So I felt a lot of responsibility for them and really wanted to leave a story with them because I didn't know how long I was going to live. And um, through that, it, it really helped me tell my story of faith, like how every time I got to this really hard place and I felt like the rug got pulled out from under me again, um, it drove me closer to God. And I'd grown up in church all my life and had a bunch of hard things here and there, but nothing like this. And so that was the journey that God took me on to get to know him better and just really learn to lean into him. And so uh, I finished writing the contents of my book in July of 2019 and I was 
talking to one of my best friends. I was helping her at church. She ran the children's ministry and we got, we got together every Monday. And so I was like, you know, I just don't know how to publish this book. Um, I don't know, like, just, I don't know what to do. And she's like, oh, I don't know why I haven't introduced you to my cousin, Chuck. He just published a book. You guys should meet. Maybe he could give you some pointers. And she didn't have a cell phone number. And so she's like, here's this Facebook page. This is his name, write it down. And so I looked him up and I started stalking him on Facebook and tried to friend him, but he had 5,000 friends. And so there's no option except to send him a message, a messenger. And you know, it goes to the other, other folder that nobody ever looks at. And I was like, this guy looks like he's a little older than me. I don't know how tech savvy he is. I don't know if he'll find it, but I wrote this little note, you know, and sent it on August 28th. And I was like, God, if you want me to find it, if ever, I'm just going to leave it. And so I was kind of listening for that ping from messenger for a week and then kind of let it go and um, ended up going back to Holland, which is where I was born, the Netherlands, um, to visit family for about two and a half weeks. And um, while I was there, all of a sudden I got the ping. What? Yeah. And you know how it is, Todd. So, so, you know, social media is starting to grow. And yeah. I had, you know, my buddies from Ohio, my buddies from California and stuff on there. So maybe five or 600 people, right? Yeah. After my story came out, the people started flooding in. And it was kind of insane. Trying to keep I just, up with it, right? I just, I just kept adding them. I just kept adding them. I didn't know that um, a personal um, account with Facebook, when it gets to 5,000, stops. It, it stops. caps. And so I, I, I didn't really care. I mean, I was kind of concerned because there was more people trying to jump on board. Um, so what I would do was once a month, I would get on there because if they weren't my friend, they could still contact me through messenger, but it went into this other file. Yeah. And so what happened was I went, I would sit down after work on a Wednesday night, once a month, and I would go through that entire file and just delete them all. But I was just read them real quick to make sure it wasn't something important. Well, I get to this message and it says something about cancer. I know your cousin, Heather, Um, um, something about I'm writing a book and I'm kind of mad at myself because I looked and seen that the date that it was sent to me was 30 days before I picked it up. Uh. So I'm mad at myself. And so I go right back on and return the message and say, Hey, I'm so sorry. I just found this message. Let's get together for coffee. And I was like, well, that's going to take a little while because I'm going to be in Holland for a while. And then I ended up on the East Coast for a week. And um, so what we did, we started messaging. We started video chatting, um, like not live video, but you sending each other videos. Yes. And um, so it was like a really fun way to get to know somebody. And what happened was we ended up really sharing a lot about each other because you know sometimes when you're not in person you can say more and we just hit it off and what I thought I was trying just to get somebody to help me publish a book I ended up starting to like him <laughs> and he was really interested in me and made it very clear and uh well I mean li- listen Todd you can imagine this so she's in the Netherlands over in Holland so we're chatting for for three weeks before we even see each other but the conversation was blowing me away because 
because she told me about all those hard, crazy things that she went through. And I'm looking at her and now I'm coaching cancer people who are going through maybe one or maybe a divorce or something happened before that, but not five, you know, jaw dropping events in their life. And I looked at her and I go, I deal with people every day. And the, these things, these situations send them so far off track that some, most times they never get back to where they even started. And I'm talking to her and she's been through five crazy things and she still has a glow and a smile on her face. And I'm like, you gotta, you gotta let me in on the secret here. And she said, every time I hit bottom, I got closer and closer to Jesus. Uh, And I'm like, where have you been my whole life? You know, this is unbelievable. So. Yeah. So he kind of asked me to marry him before he even met, but I was like, I got, I gotta smell you and. (laughs) <laughs> so he actually picked me up at the airport on October 6th of 2019 and we got married January 1st of 2020. So if you do the math, that's less than three months. So we just well, he only had less than three months to live, so he's got to do it. I know. I'm not messing, I'm we not wasting any time, time here. You can't waste time like this. Is your people time. don't have time to jack around. Let's close the deal right now. <laughs> oh, afraid about it. <laughs> I prayed about it and I, it was just like he became my best friend so fast like we still are amazed about it and yeah we've gotten to know each other more in two years but it's just crazy like we we were divinely paired that's how we look at it like God put us in each other's lives and the longer we're together the more we see that which you'll find out why um, <laughs> but it, it's just amazing it's like it was just so beautiful and so just right and, and you know we talk about this where you're middle-aged and you bring baggage to your relationship. But what yep. happened was we figured out the things that were the most important to us, like were the foundation, our faith and letting the little things go. Like, you know, if you left socks on the floor or how you vacuum, like we had to just learn how to get along with those things. <laughs> we're both really artistic and independent and strong-willed, but God put us together. And, um, yeah, it's just really beautiful. We had a lot of like similar lights. Yeah, we determined that the foundation that we both had been looking for our, our whole life, the foundation was there. We also agreed that all those little things that was going to come with it because we were both married before, none of those were going to be deal breakers. But, you know, one of the things I found in my own journey with my, my health and the brain tumor was when you're going through this hard spot, like there's stuff that just doesn't matter, right? Like in the whole scheme of things, you're like, this doesn't matter. Things that you thought mattered before just really don't matter because when you're going through something like obviously what you guys have gone through and you're like, okay, like in the whole scheme of things, how important is this? And you focus on the stuff that matters most. Cause think about it. You're given three months to live. You know, you have stage four breast cancer that's spread that's pretty significant. You know what I mean? Like, this isn't like, oh, you know, and I love that you guys, you know, like, cause a lot of times, and it's hard. I've interviewed some people here before that when they've got diagnosed, it was hard on the spouse, things kind of, they had that double whammy. Right. Mm -hmm. And then boom, they found life again. I've seen it, which is good. You know, you guys have kind of made lemonade out of the lemons, right? 
Yes, and there's there's more lemons to come. All right, so go ahead. <laughs> this is the good part. So when we got home from our honeymoon, we just went to Oceanside, California, and laid in the sand, and then we went up to Flagstaff, which is like about two hours north of us, playing the snow for a little bit. So we got home, and we had been talking about it. So I've been watching Chuck for a few months while he's taking uh, while he's we're doing some landscaping work. He's taking calls, and he's like on the phone all day. And I'm like, why don't you have a nonprofit? And he's like, I don't know, it just seems like such a mountain of paperwork. I, it's just not my thing. I didn't even have time to try that. And so we really prayed about it and talked about it and um, pushed our desks together and decided to file for a 501c3 with the IRS. And so we landed on a name and we figured out we wanted to call it Living Hope Cancer Foundation. We knew that we wanted to help people. And like the, the focus at that point was just to help coach people and especially the mindset. Cause that's something I had had experience with. So a lot of my friends would give me like um, people with breast cancer and I would mostly text, sometimes call and just like talk them off the ledge. And so when I met Chuck, that's what he'd been doing. And then, you know, he was talking about the few things that he had been focusing on. I'd been juicing and using essential oil. So it was like a lot of similarities. And so putting us together, it was like this dynamo team, you know, and we could do this together and we both have strengths. So we look at Chuck as the front office and I'm the back office. So I'm like the computer person and he's the one on the phone with, you know, he's putting people together and he's a sales guy. He's, he's had a lot of that experience in his past. So it's just really great. It's really fun because the stuff I don't like to do, he likes to do and vice versa. So we uh, filed our paperwork and within four weeks got our um, IRS ruling that we were a 501c3. And so we started our website and all of the things you need to do to get things going. And, and that uh, website is what? Getupandlive.org? Yep, yep. getupandlive.org. The foundation is called Living Hope Cancer Foundation. And you know how things spring up? We couldn't find somebody doing this in the industry. We couldn't find that after you're diagnosed, your doctor tells you what your diagnosis is. And then, okay, here's the medical plan. And then you're driving home from the doctor's office, freaking out. And you're like, what do you do with this? And you get home and you're on the couch and your head's spinning. And I mean, to the point where people go into depression, um, you know, freaking out from fear and worry and stress. And that was something we just couldn't find. So I said, okay, guess what? We are going to become that next room. We're going to be that place where they go when they're freaking out to have somebody to talk to that understands what they're going through. And that was the whole uh, beginning of the uh, foundation. So a few awesome. months after we started, I started having some neck pain, um, some shortness of breath, high heart rate, went to the cardiologist, couldn't find anything, went to the pulmonologist, couldn't find anything. Finally had another scan and they found I had a tumor in my neck. So at this point, when we got married at the end of 20, uh, in 2020, end of 2020, um, I had been stable. Like I was taking oral chemo pills for three weeks of a month and then one week off and I was tired, but that was about it. Like just, you know, we were biking and kayaking and hiking and doing all the fun things we love to do swimming. And, um, I just started having all these symptoms. And the day after I met with the radiology, radiation oncologist, I woke up in the morning and my neck hurt so bad that Chuck had to take me to the ER. And this is the beginning of COVID where the ER is like either completely full or it's an empty 
graveyard, which was the way it was for me. There was no one there. It was dead silent. It was the most bizarre place I'd ever been. And um, I had scans done. They dropped me off at the door and I, they come back in the room and they're like, you have a broken neck. And they ended up going to find Chuck in the parking lot and sneaking him in because they weren't allowing visitors. And before I got transported to another hospital, I have emergency surgery. They allowed us to be together for an hour and a half. And I had a brace on and we had no idea when we were gonna see each other again. And um, ended up having a few huge fusion in my neck, through the front of my neck. Um, ended up in ICU and eventually came home. And so, you know, this is five months after we got married. <laughs> like not expecting that. You're expecting your first year of marriage to be when they, when they say for better or worse, you kind of just give over and think, yeah, right. Sure. All right. I'm in. I didn't have no idea. Well, I had no idea what was coming up. <laughs> so like, he became my caregiver, you know, because you can't just like run around with a broken neck. <laughs> so he had to do a lot for me. And um, it took a good eight to 12 weeks before I was kind of back on my feet. And during that time, I had to start IV chemo and radiation to a node on my chest. Mm. And with that IV chemo, came my first time of being bald and you know your hair starts to hurt and it starts to fall out and we we had gotten a nice short haircut and the day came where I was like it's got to come off it hurts so bad and uh so he sits sits me down and puts the cape on me and buzzes my hair and then he hands me the buzzer and he sits down on the chair and he's like all right I'm going with you so in solidarity shaved his head bald and so wow. we were all together for probably a good 10 months. Um, Love it. Then I had radiation on the chest node. And what happened was it burned my esophagus so bad I was unable to swallow. And I needed a feeding tube to stay alive. So all the details are in our book. It's, it's yeah. hard to not like, yeah. go into depth. but It's hard again, to skim over that, though. If you don't yeah. know what a feeding tube is, her throat, she got so bad she couldn't swallow her own spit. They punched a hole in her stomach because she was losing weight so fast because she couldn't eat. They punched a hole in her stomach and put a feeding tube in to save her life. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. And so, so you get kind of get through that. Right. And so now, and the reason why you're in bed is because you're having another, you're having some, some issues with some, some pain and some things that are going on. Yeah. Correct? So uh, between that and a year ago, I actually had two lower back fractures. So it was one level lower than where his broke. So it was amazing because I ended up having a really traumatic fusion, a seven hour surgery for that. Where, and then was in a wheelchair for four, four months of 2021. And he literally became my hands and feet. Um, and because of the spread of cancer in my bones, it has gone to certain areas of my body. And um, although it wasn't from cancer, it's a stress fracture in the head of my femur. And so I can't, um, I have to stay off of my leg to let it heal. Okay. And at the same time, we also found out I had more spread of cancer in the socket where your leg bone goes in. So I actually just finished radiation today on the socket area and it's causing a lot of pain when I sit. So I am off it till I get better. So therefore I'm in bed. <laughs> and she's on this podcast. Yeah. Like what I love about both of you is like, it's like you get you get kind of knocked, you hit get hit. This is pretty serious stuff. But you're you got the nonprofit. You're getting on a podcast to share your story. 
you're you're praying, you're helping people, you're on the phone, you're you know we've been on the road inspiration book tours um yeah we went to three states in back in march before my back broke and then this um, fall went on a book tour because we wrote our book in june and july um in between all of this and from the bed or from a wheelchair or from my recliner i can still talk to people and still coach them and still write and still do all the back office work for foundation so you know i have a choice every day this is what we coach too is like you have a choice you stay in bed and pull up the covers or you can live and our motto is get up and live and whatever that looks like for your life you know if it's to go to the mailbox or walk your dog or to walk in the pool. I spent a lot of time in the pool when I couldn't walk on earth. <laughs> I could walk in the pool with a float and that's how I got my strength back last summer. That's how I plan to get my strength back this year. Um, there's always ways to get up and live and, and it starts in your spirit, it starts in your, like how you think, right? How you get your mind going. Power of the mind, power of the and mind. And so it doesn't, it's not just walking, it's engaging yourself, engaging the healing mechanism that God put in our lives, in our bodies, and that means taking good care of your body, um, giving it nutrients, applying oil. We apply oil on my back every night, like on my whole spine. Um, there's so many ways to take care of ourselves and, and we meet all of those ways. You know, it's not just a one, one thing and we don't claim anything cures cancer, but when you engage that healing mechanism in your body, it changes everything. Lifestyle definitely changes, you know, lifestyle definitely changes. And something else I have to throw in there also, Todd, is, is okay, Hannah's going through spread problems, uh, treatments, side effects from treatments, all the stuff that people, you know, hear about. Not only is she doing that and she's on the phone co can coaching cancer people, the foundation's growing. We're like, what are we going to do with this? It's, it's starting to get overwhelming. And that's when we started to actually um, build our website out and we put um, 56 videos on there now. They're only two to three minutes long, coaching people through just about everything that you're going to deal with through a cancer journey. And, and the reason why is because we'll, we love to take that first call and talk to them and get to know them and then say, listen, I got so many calls coming in. Now I want you to go to the website and start watching these videos. And I want your whole family to sit around because it's a team. Because how many times have you heard nobody around me understands this, right? Yeah. So here's your team, your family, your neighbors, whoever's in this with you, watching these videos with you and understanding what this is like to go through this this crazy, scary um, journey with uh, a diagnosis called cancer, which automatically people relate to. People die from this every day. You know, what's going to happen to me? You know, and so I, we really take it very seriously to coach them to get up and live through this journey. I love the name. I love the name. The, the things that I love too was, you know, kind of looking at your stories together, right? And your journey is like things just kind of happened, right? And in Jesus, right? So, I said this, I chronicled my journey with my brain tumor. Like I did Facebook lives. I lived on a lake. I literally like silly things like, oh my God, I walked to the end of the lake. Well, you know, that was huge. I and mean, when you're going through this, like it's one little thing. 
But I had a boss that said this. And I, I actually called him. He was an old boss. I called him after my surgery because it kept coming to me. He goes, he used to say this. He goes, you know, Todd, there's no atheists in foxholes. When the bombs are flying, you're praying to something. Yeah. And he was, you know, I have a relation. I love the stories of Jesus. I think they're just amazing. And the funny thing is, is when I was recovering, I had the History Channel Bible series. I watched that thing the whole time. And then everything, because I just, what I did that, you know, and I don't know if I said it on a podcast before, but I did that. And I researched people. There was this thing on people that died, like death experiences, because I was like, and this was before my surgery. I'm like, cause I, I don't know what's going on. I kind of, you know, it was kind of weird. Right? So, but I did that well, kind of stuff, that but I came to peace with like, all right, if this is it, what's the rest going to be like? Right. So it was about seeing the sun fishing in my back. You know what I mean? It wasn't like, and, and I know that people struggle cause that's what I, it's such a huge mindset piece. It is such a huge mindset. And yeah. when you're in pain, it affects you. When you have a lot of this issue, it gets into there. But I love, what was, what do you think is the biggest key to keeping a positive mindset through, through the word? Absolutely, without a doubt, our faith. Absolutely, without a doubt. Because people run around and try everything, you know, when cancer or whatever diagnosis or whatever trouble they're going through, they're run around and try everything. And we, we've tried things and we watch people trying things. And what I realized or what we realized was, or she, she was, she was, she's been my teacher. So she's teaching me things about the Bible stuff that I didn't know. I'm, I'm, you know, new to a lot of this, but what I realized was um, there's things that we cannot change and everybody's flipping out over them. They're stressing over them. And when you start getting closer to Jesus in your faith, you realize, okay, he's in control of all of this. We're not in control of when we come into this world. We're not in control of when we leave this world. He is. And so if your faith gets stronger and you can take all this stuff that we can't change and give it to him, and then maybe do the honey to do list that Hannah put on the table for me to make sure I get done that day or something. Cause I can do that. Uh, I don't need God for that. I need him for the, 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 the big stuff I kind of do, but yeah. But anyway, the thing is what it does is having faith. Um, it, it, it brings the stress levels way down. Or when you get to the point where we're at, um, our faith is so strong that, um, you know, we can still smile through stage four cancer. That's a, yeah, and and, and reality, I that that was big for my recovery too was the faith for sure. In reality, nobody has tomorrow. Like nobody. if you get hit, hit by a bus, you know how many people I have coached or people that we've been friends with that have died in the last two years. It's crazy to me. Like obviously we we are confronted with death more probably than the average person just because of we're coaching people and, and we actually get to walk alongside them and love them and encourage them in that walk. I think that's what God's called us to do, but, um, you know, nobody has tomorrow. And so I think that's, that's what we often just accept. Like you think you're going to just live for another 40 years and you don't know. And like, just to have today and live it well for God, it's amazing to me. And 
he gives me so much peace and joy. Like even in this bed, I've been in bed for 20 days. I was in the hospital for five last week. And it's not that I don't cry. We cry in each other's arms. I cry to God, cried to him this morning. But you know, it's a place that I can help people from. Like it doesn't stop. I can't, I don't have to stop sharing my story or stop encouraging people and stop loving people and engaging with people just because I'm in bed, you know? And I, I think that's been the beautiful thing that God's teaching me just to be useful wherever I am. And yep. that's today. I love it. Yeah, I love well, it. Hopefully I'll be walking you know, again next week. But. Yeah. One of the things, Todd, also has been the learning experience that we're watching through this and what we're doing by sharing every bit of our lives, our experiences, coaching people, allowing, you know, getting – we had so many calls that someone was diagnosed six months ago and it's just been completely, you know, going through hell for the last six months and their family sitting there on the phone. They're like, they're smiling for the first time in six months from just hearing our story and, and like, it's okay. We understand what you're going through, but you know, when people are going through, say, say you got a, say you got a cushy life, say you're, say you've got a great job or a career or, or, or somebody in your family gave you a crap load of money and life is real easy. How many of those people are leaning into Jesus and, and, and praying? When when do they start praying? When there's a cancer diagnosis. When the bombs are flying and you're in the foxhole, right? That's right. That's exactly right. So what we're hoping that we can do through this journey is we can show them now why that is important to have a relationship with, with God. You know, so, you know, and hopefully they will never have to go through something like what we're dealing with and something even you've been through yourself, Todd. Um, but what we do know is that um, a, a relationship, relationship and faith are always, always, always important. This was the huge thing that I was missing in Chuck's life of the, the plan, Chuck's plan, you know, my whole life. And, oh, it's a good plan and bumping my head into the wall over and over again and, and, and really being okay with finances and raising my kids, but still being kind of lost. I didn't know that that loss was a spiritual loss. I didn't know what was missing in my life until I found it. And I'm like, I'm telling everybody. I want them to feel as good as I feel now. And, you know, and I love that because one of the things that I, I, you know, one of my good friends, who's, a, who's a coach, when I was first diagnosed, like, I was dealing, like when I was first dealt with it, I was like, listen, this is what I'm feeling. Can you help me put a post together? Cause I couldn't put the words together. Right. It's going through some stuff, but he asked me, he goes, Todd, like, man, you got a brain tumor. And they didn't know what it was at the time. It goes, what are you thinking? And I said to him, I go, I'm thinking, am I doing God's work here? That was the question. You know, I was a you know busy guy. I was in sales. I was doing a lot of different things. I was a nurse. I did, you know, geriatric care management. And one of the talents that I have is I can navigate the health system. Now, here's the thing that's really important, right? And I heard when we talked the other day, you told the doctors like, all right, game on. What do I got to do, right? So there's knowing when to like, hey, I got to do this treatment. I got to do this and do that. And knowing what to augment it with. Because I know some people go the other route and say, oh, I'm just, you know, going to like try to green juice and things like that, which I think is beneficial. I'm not saying that, but just utilizing <laughs> all the medical resources. Like 
I'm blessed that they could go into people's brains and take a tumor out. Like right. back in the day, like I would have been yeah, toast, right? It would have been like, all right, man, you know? But we do have technology and you got to learn to right. do, blend that, yeah. blend that. Would you agree? I'm really big on patient advocacy because I'm a nurse. Like giving people the, we talk about this a lot, like ask the questions, get second and third opinions. You know, I'm on my fifth oncologist in five years because I, the other ones weren't taking care of me. One of them retired, I'll give him that. But, um, you know, it's actually his oncologist. This is a really fun story. And she's this little firecracker and into research. She's done more for me in three months than anybody has in five years. So I think it's so important that when you say that too, it's like, take control of your situation, do the research. If you don't know, ask somebody, find, you know, find ways to find out more information and get the latest information there is on your situation and yeah we, we we tell everybody you 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 need two plans two plans okay one. this is this is huge this is a life changer for everybody so you need two plans when you're faced with any diagnosis be it cancer or anything else your first plan is your medical plan okay your medical plan is between you and your doctor but you're still in charge of it get a second and third opinion you know ask re go when they say you were diagnosed with this go berserk on Googling it and writing stuff down. And when you go in to see them the next time, ask them all the hard questions. I want answers to all of this. If you're not happy with the answers they're giving you, you need to find another doctor. So you're in charge of your medical plan, okay? So the other plan is called your personal plan. And this is what we coach every day. Your personal plan ended up being just what I told, what I started telling people um, years ago, what I did was, Prayer, love, juicing, essential oils, and move the body, okay? Now, why, why is that so important? Um, first of all, of course, because when you buy that juicer or you put your money into a few oils or whatever, what, you know, when you do these things or go to uh, the gym or a yoga class or get on your living room floor, you're putting your body in motion. And what happens there? The brain starts going into the fight mode. Now we're, now we're survival, survival mode, right, Todd? Yo, survival mode. That's why right. I mean this. Yeah. Right. And so, so basically what happens is, is, is we, we give them those, that plan. Now say you got a medical plan and like what we've faced in the last couple of years, a few times, a few times <laughs> every fracture, what if that day. medical plan doesn't go the way the they said, yeah. what if they get it, you get a scan and all of a sudden you're like, you see it on the support sites. I got bad news. Got my scan. There's a spread. I see it all the time. Right. What happens when your medical plan doesn't go the way you thought and you don't have a personal plan, the wheels completely fall off? It's sort of devastating. So, yep. yeah, yeah. Because I plan never changes. We're always engaging. We're always taking care of our body. And then what's the next change in the medical plan? That's, and it's so cool. And you can work out of that. You're not, you're not lost and like, Flipping out is bad, you know. <laughs> and giving it and giving it all to God, yes. giving it all to God, because if you didn't, you freak out. You you call a psychiatrist because you're going through depression, and 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 you can't yes. believe what you're going through. If you if you don't work and build the strength and build your faith and build your relationship with Jesus, you'll freak out. I love it, and so for me, I have a plan. And that was when I got diagnosed, I was like, all right, this is, this is my physical plan. Mm -hmm. But the one thing that I did was what did this teach me? Mm -hmm. 
like, why is this here? And it wasn't like from a self-pity place. Like, you know, I was like, man, and I dove and I dove. I said, what's the missing piece? And I feel like God was like, man, you got to work harder with helping people, but also you got to wake up and enjoy what you got and the gifts that I gave you to share with other. Hence, this is what I'm doing. And because I feel that these, these events are lessons to be learned and to move forward and to come to be, to get closer. Cause people say, well, why is God giving me this? Why is you know, they blame, you know, but I find that it's, if you ask some good questions and I'm a, I'm a firm spiritual person connected, God, I love stories. Jesus is in the stillness. I find that's where it's found. Because that's where you're having your conversations, right? You got tapped on the shoulder, right? You're just out of nowhere. Like, you're not like, you know, Billy Graham, you know, sitting there and you're like, whatever, right? You're like, oh my God, like this happened. There's these events that occur, right? Yeah. And then you have it, like for him, this is what I would say. We always have a chance to share it or not. It's not like he's not going to go to heaven when he does. He helps so many people. I mean, last year he was able to go on a TED talk. He just recently was on 700 Club with his miracle and it airs at the end of this month. And, you know, the platform God has given us because we say yes is crazy to me. Crazy. Like it blows my mind. I mean, to me, just talking to more than 50 people is a lot. So it's just amazing. Like when you keep saying yes to God, he He will grow that if if you say yes, you know, if that's his will. And it, it's just amazing. So that's my daily thing. It's like, okay, <laughs> yes. What so do you have for me today? Yeah. This is, this is kind of interesting because kind of uh, back when all this happened and, and I said, you know, you got my attention. I'm surrendering to you. I also said, I'm going to let you orchestrate my life. I'm talking to God, right? Yeah. I'm going to let you orchestrate my life and I'm going to put this to the test. I want to see, right? Mm-hmm. And my journey with cancer, my body, my health. I still had a broken down human body. The cancer was gone from the day I got touched, but I was 40 pounds down. I mean, weak, um, aches and pains. I still had to, you know, work that and get that back. So, you know, the thing was, I wanted to put this all to the test. And so basically, you know, I, I said, God, you orchestrate my life. And I'm not kidding you. I went from saying that prayer with my kids before they went to bed at night to praying like all day, but it wasn't like I get down on my knees. Like, you know, I'm talking about driving to work and like, okay, God, I got a lot to do today. I need help. Okay. God, I got a, I got a scan coming up and I'm scared and I need, I just want, I just need, I need comforted. I need you there. I started talking to God at every possible opportunity. And I went from a farm boy landscaper to a published author, public speaker. I found a wife. I got (laughs) married at the age of 55. And I'm thinking I'm probably going to grow old by myself. And I meet this beautiful young lady. We start a foundation. We're helping people. I mean, it's rolling out and, and, and in my chest with God, he just said, it's, it's bigger than you ever imagined. It's bigger. And don't forget, I just want to remind everybody listening is he was told he had three months to live, gave his stuff away. Hospice was called and, 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 and we, we forget that through this whole story. Right. And then he gets married 
right? He's helping people. You guys have got this foundation together. You're sharing and helping people. And I think that that is the one thing I could say that no matter what mood, where you are in your mind is take one step, get up and move, get up and live, get up and do whatever. Right. But tattooed on your body if you have to <laughs> get up there and do that. So <laughs> guys, I am just honored to have you. And, and, you know, honestly, Chuck reached out to me. I was in a group and we, and we just hit it off, you know, the story. And then yeah. you guys and what you're doing, Hannah is just amazing. Mm-hmm. So just for anybody in life, right you know, I know we talk about cancer and we're talking about illness and recovery and faith and all that, but sometimes I wish that I would get hit in the head, no pun intended, with these messages before the so-called event happens, right? Living life now, not waiting to retirement, you know? So what message, what one thing would you say to anybody if they just said, you know, Give me one piece of your less your you know wisdom. What would that be for you guys? I would say live every day like it's your last and live it for God. That's how I that's how I have to live now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a, a the I could I could give a a ten day class on lessons I've learned in the last mm-hmm. you know five or six years since my cancer. Um, but the biggest, the biggest one that, that just never fails me is my faith, you know, and, and, and before, you know, I, I, I wasn't the guy you'd hear talking about God, about Jesus. And now Jesus is my best friend, you know, and I, I love talking about him. And the thing is, if, if, if we could get, if we could get past the hurdle that a lot of people have in life of, is Jesus real? Is, was Jesus really here on earth? Was he the son of God? If we could get past that hurdle, would it change the entire world? Well, guess what? My story gets you past that hurdle. My story of seeing Jesus being touched on the shoulder and healed from near end of life cancer, um, it's, it gets you past that hurdle. It really exists. And that's why that my faith is so strong and that, that Jesus is my best friend now. I, I love it. And, and guys, I want to say thank you all. Thank you both for coming on. Um, you know, keep me updated on your progress and your foundation. Yes. Because we'll be connected for sure. And in the show notes, the links, the contacts, Our check book. out their site. Yeah, the, the books are on the website. I looked at them. Yes. And Definitely. If, you know, pass this along, you know, donate to the foundation. They're here to really help people and really get up and live. Right. And so you guys, I appreciate you coming on and uh, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us on Todd. Really nice to hang out with you and stuff. We'll definitely be in touch in the future. Um, We've got, we've got some big plans and we've got a lot of people that needs to hear the story. Awesome. Thank you.